Breaking Down Wisconsin Basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. We're back after about a month and change off. A lot of good things have happened for Wisconsin since then. Got a great show coming up. Going to be chatting with Wisconsin guard Brad Davison, the co-Big Ten Player of the Week. That's coming up in a little bit. But plenty of other things to get to here before we do that. Jesse, uh, we started the season with Wisconsin uh, having a lot of inexperience, not really sure what everything was going to look like. And now Wisconsin is 7-1 and one and is undefeated when Johnny Davis plays and just beat Marquette 89-76, to putting up the second most points they've ever scored against Marquette. They have been impressive. They've won the Maui Invitational in Las Vegas, including beating number 12 Houston. It has been, I think, a eye-opening month and change since the last time we talked about this basketball team. My biggest takeaway is just how much fun it is to watch this team. I think there's something to be said for going into a season with minimal expectations, obviously, because as you said, Nobody really knew what to expect. There's a 17-man roster that features 12 first- or second-year players, and most of those guys had minimal or no roles a year ago. Um, Clearly, they've exceeded those expectations outside the program. I suppose the only people who aren't surprised are the guys inside, because as Johnny Davis said after the Marquette game, ain't nothing surprising about this um, that they expect to win. But they've clearly been able to come together and mesh much more quickly than Certainly, I expect it. I won't speak for anybody else, but man, it's fun to watch. They have come together much quicker than anybody expected, and at uh, you know seven and one, sitting at number twenty three in the in the AP poll as we speak, and the first net rankings came out this morning as well. That being obviously an indicator, or at least a, a tool that is used by the NCAA selection committee, and we're still a ways away from that. But they come in at number eighteen in the first. Uh, net rankings that were released this uh, Monday morning. So there are a lot of good things happening for Wisconsin, but probably none better than what we've seen from Johnny Davis through the first, I guess, his first seven games of the season. He's been fantastic. He's averaging 20.1 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 2.4 assists. He has been uh, dynamic. And he, he, I think everyone was expecting him to make a jump from his freshman to his sophomore season, but he's gone from being a role player to a um, – what if I'd superstar at this point? Absolutely. Chucky Hepper and the freshman point guard had probably one of the best quotes we've heard in a long time after the game. And sometimes it's get Johnny the ball and get the F out of the way. <laughs> um, that's kind of what it's been at times. But you're right. The, the leap that Davis has been able to make from his freshman to sophomore year, we all expected it. We knew that this team was probably going to go as far as, as Johnny could take them. But he's been even better than than I expected. Um, 20.1 points per game, as you said. That just does not happen very often at, in Wisconsin's program. And you can go back through the last 25 years. The last player to finish his season averaging more than 20 points a game, Michael Finley in 94-95. He was a first-round NBA draft pick. The only other two Badgers players in the last 25 years to approach 20 points in a year, Devin Harris in 03-04, when he averaged 19 and a half points per game, was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Then he was a top 10, top five NBA draft pick. Alendo Tucker in 06, 07, when he averaged 19.9 points, he was second in the National Player of the Year voting behind Kevin Durant. He won the Big Ten Player of the Year honors and was a first-round draft choice. So uh, you, you see the parallels here. Davis is playing at such a level that he's 
legitimately putting himself in position to be a, a draft pick after his sophomore season. I know we're super early in this year, but one of my colleagues at the Athletics, Sam Vicini, has um, an early mock draft. He's got Davis at number 25 to the Wizards in the first round. Uh, again, long way to go, but he is playing at that level. He is that dude. He can score at every level uh, and just the type of dynamic player that Wisconsin doesn't get very often. And to be doing it as early in his career as he has been, it's exceptional. So what you're saying is people should be enjoying him at, at, <laughs> while, while they can, because I know that's th- there was a string of tweets that went boom, 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 like all at once on Saturday during the Marquette game. And I'm pretty sure it may have been after the one where he flew through the lane and uh, did the uh, layup. But yeah, enjoy him while you can was was essentially the message. But I, I, I do think it's a little bit early to be to be saying that at this point, but. I think you just enjoy him in general, just how good he's been. Like, just enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, there, there's a long way to go. I'm, I'm only saying that he's putting himself in position and, and to be in that conversation because of how well he's played. But to me, that was one of the signature plays, the, the layup that he had on the other side of the glass. My favorite was when he took, there was a six, eight forward from Marquette that was uh, prosper who was guarding him. And he, took him off the dribble. He went behind the back and he had the dude going backwards and he created space and he pulled up and buried a jumper. And he did. I I mean, he's got the mean mug going now. He did it after both of those plays, which just sh- maybe there should be a t-shirt with just a Johnny Davis mean mug on it. In fact, he should trademark it so he can make some money off the NIL deals, but he's exactly. got that swagger and he's got that confidence. Like get off me, dude. Nobody on the floor is going to stop me. And you just don't see many players, I think, at Wisconsin with that that type of confidence. For for years, I feel like on the swing, we've talked about, is there a guy in a late game situation or, or you need a basket? Who are you going to give the ball to and how confident are you that they're going to be able to score? And give it to Davis. And I'm pretty confident he's going to make something good happen. Yeah. And the thing is, he's getting to the free throw line a lot, too, and he's hitting his shots. He's shooting 82 percent from the free throw line, which when you consider how much he is uh, getting into the lane and getting contact inside. I think it's really, really impressive. I, I don't think every shot that he took against Marquette is, is probably one that is uh, going to be a high percentage throughout the year, but he was on fire against Marquette. Like, I think that that's safe to say, right? Like, I mean, he was, some of those shots were not exactly the best shots, best looking shots, but they, they went in. Yeah. I guess he can make shots that you kind of question look good. Um, yeah. There are just stretches where, He's uh, it's, it seems like he's untouchable. I know I'm, I'm speaking incredibly highly of him and, but, and he does make mistakes, but you're right. He, especially in the, the, the first half for, to, to get them the lead, to put them in good position. And he winds up nine for 14. And the thing about this team is I, I always use this expression. I use it. I, I suppose when I played too, that idea of shoot till you're hot, shoot till you're not, uh, he's just going to keep on shooting. I think, I think of the Texas A&M game, Wisconsin was down double digits early. Could have been a, a very different story in that Maui invitational. Johnny was two for nine to start that game and he kept shooting and he was going to shoot himself out of it. And he did. And he helped lead the team in scoring. And they came back to not only overcome a double digit deficit, but then take a double digit lead. That, that's that's what he does. So even if there are some early shots or some questionable looks, not only can he make those, but if he doesn't make them, he's got the confidence to continue to take them. And, and more often than not, from what we've seen, he's going to be able to figure out ways to score. Is he a thirty nine point seven percent three point shooter? Because that's what his career number is. And it seems right now he's shooting over 40 for the season. Is that who he is? 
it's pretty early to say I, I he's put himself in position to be that type of guy. Like, I think that's the one thing. Uh, and even my colleague in his sort of recap of what Davis could be as an NBA prospect mentioned that that is one area that you've got to be able to take the next step in. If you want to be a, a guard or wing in the NBA for, for his size too to hit the outside shot. So he clearly put some time in. Maybe this is who he is. Um, I don't know. That stuff tends to taper off as we've seen with other guys. Um, but I mean, 35 plus percent. I, I don't see why not. I don't know if he can be a 40% shooter the whole season, especially with the minutes he's going to take. And, and we're about to get into big 10 play where it's a lot different too. That's the other thing. You play teams more than once in a season. They scout you extremely well. It's much more physical, but so far he can, he might be pretty close. So Johnny's obviously been the story for this season and they're going to go as far as he takes them, right? Like he's going to be the guy that I don't want to say make or break, but if they're going to, if they're going to have a special season, it's going to be because of him at the top of it. But there have been some really, really good performances from some of the other, the other two guys that uh, had a little experience coming in. That's Tyler wall. Tyler had a fantastic guy, especially the Maui invitational against St. Mary's and, and, and against Houston, against Houston as well. And Brad Davison, uh, yep. Brad's already hit, 20 plus points three times this year. He only did it twice last year. He was really good, obviously, against Georgia Tech, kind of put him on his back when Johnny only had three points in the second half and then uh, had a big game against Marquette as well. And Tyler didn't have a, a great game against Marquette, but he's, uh, I don't want to call him an automatic bucket when he gets the ball down low at times, but it feels like it's it's around there. Didn't have a great, great game against Marquette. I'll admit that. But um, certainly uh, for his size, he's, he feels like he's got uh, some nice um, feel, I guess, around the rim. And then, obviously, Brad, what he does just defensively and offensively, which of those two have stood out more to you? Wow. That's a tough one. I think we knew what we were going to get from Brad. I'll say both of those guys averaging career highs in scoring. Brad's averaging 15.9 points. Tyler's averaging 9.3. Maybe not a great surprise considering the guys that have left and the expectations that those two had. I'll go with, I'll go with Tyler Wallace simply because I knew that this is who Brad is. We've seen it a bunch. Tyler, he's getting the the biggest role of his career and he's taking advantage of it. He's just, he's one of those stat sheet stuffers. He does, you know what you're going to get defensively, much like Brad. He's a hustle player. He can take charges, but I think you're right about his ability to score in the post. It doesn't always look the the smoothest necessarily, but he finds a way to, to squeeze in there and get buckets. Um, and even if the Marquette game wasn't his best performance, I mean, he, he did enough and the team did enough to win that game. I, I think both those guys have taken the steps forward that they needed to. And, and you look at those are the three guys that came back that were a part of the regular playing rotation and all of them needed to, to play the way that they have been for Wisconsin to be in this position. They have, I, I guess I would just, I would tend toward Brad because he knows he needs to be a, like in past years, he didn't need to be the scorer, right? Like you, he could have like a big game here or there. But with Johnny, is Johnny, you know, Johnny's the top scorer, but Brad's probably more often than not going to be that number two guy, is he not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose my, my answer to that question is just in relative to what we've seen from each of those guys in their career to this point. No question, Brad has taken a huge step forward. Um, I think I just expected in and have seen 100 plus games of him, and you know what you're going to get. But to me, what's been, I think, um, is the way he's been able to lead. He has been a leader since the day he stepped on the floor. I remember the very first practice that we saw was an open practice in preseason. And he's 
a, a freshman and he's yelling and instructing and people are listening to him and he's diving on the floor for loose balls. That's who he's always been. But as Greg Gard put it after the Marquette game, he praised him for quote leading from the back end quote. And, and what he meant by that is allowing Tyler and Johnny in particular to step into those leadership roles and make it their team because it's going to be their team after Brad's gone. And I think that's not always the easiest thing to do when you're, you've been the guy and, and the voice and he still is, but I think that's a skill set that should be admired because um, he's sort of taken a backseat in that area to allow those other guys to lead. Was there any doubt in your mind that he would be able to do that? I, I, Cause it's not necessarily, I mean, he's still very vocal. Right? Yes. I mean, extremely on the court. You can hear it. Uh, you can hear him conducting traffic at times, um, you know, got, go here, go there type of thing. But is it um, I, to me, it's it also speaks to what to Johnny and Tyler, right? Like it's because neither of those guys were necessarily extremely vocal uh, or extremely like outwardly emotional prior to this year, especially Johnny like that. I remember last year, like. I tweeted out, oh my God, was that a Johnny Davis smile? Because there, there were times that that's, you just didn't see it. And now you're getting the full personality of Johnny. And I don't know if he would be able to do that if, if Brad was you know, still trying to be the guy. Yeah. When you ask him, I surprised, not at all, that Brad can do this. He is as selfless as they come. He understands the bigger picture and they're successful and they're winning. And in order for them to do that, they were going to need Tyler and Johnny to be those guys. And Brad can still be that guy. He still is that guy. With Johnny, I think a lot of it is just the confidence and the swagger. Last year, it was probably tough to have that. And don't get me wrong. When he would come into the game off the bench last season, he was instant offense. He was the guy you wanted to see. If you, if you were said, who, who would I pay money to go watch see? Even last year, it would be him because he might do something that nobody else on the roster can do. But this year, he and I, I remember talking to him before the season. He said, like, it is, I'm paraphrasing, but it was essentially not to brag or anything, but I know if we're going to go anywhere this season, I'm going to have to be that guy. So he completely understood what his role was going to be entering this season. And I think the other thing is Greg Gard and the coaching staff making it clear that Johnny and Tyler were going to have to be those guys too. So I think they, they put that in their ear and those guys are smart enough to recognize what they need to do this season. But certainly all three of those guys deserve credit for getting Wisconsin to, to where it is. And, and certainly there's a long way to go, but they're on the right path. They are on the right path. And it, it seems like, it seems like, the two other starters are on the right path as well when Stephen Kral and Chucky Hepburn. Uh, let's start with Chucky because everyone knew that he was going to be the starting point guard. He told, I mean, Greg Gard told him as such when he stepped on campus in June, but he's handled it extremely well. And it, for the most part, these first eight games, it's been about his defense. Uh, he's as tenacious as an on-ball defender as, from a freshman as I've ever seen, especially yeah. at Wisconsin. Uh, it usually does not go this well for a guy that young and uh, the way that Wisconsin wants to play, but he's, he's picked it up and he's been steady and he was, st he's been steady at point as a, uh, as the, uh, the floor leader on the other end of the court too. Like um, he has been, but he hasn't necessarily like jumped out offensively. He had that 13 point game in the opener. And then it's like, all right, well, where is the offense? The rest of the, 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 the you know, the next six games. And then he broke out against Marquette with uh, a career-high 15 points, but it wasn't just the points. It was the assists as well. He had a career-high six assists while still getting it done on defense. He had three steals. Uh, when, I, when I look at Chucky, I, I'm in, I, I think his defense is the most impressive thing about him, but I think perhaps the most important thing about uh, whether 
Wisconsin could be special this year is going to be a continued improvement and continued impact on the offensive end. Yeah, I, I would. I'll start by saying that Greg knew he had something pretty special in Chucky from the outset. And even even talking to Greg in the, in I talked to him in early September for a, a, basically a season preview, and I asked him, uh, which in retrospect seems kind of silly, but again, these are guys that we hadn't seen, didn't know didn't know what kind of roles they were going to have. I said, is Chucky physically ready to step in and, and play a, cons- a, a significant role for this team? And he said, yes. Is that clear enough? <laughs> um, like it was, it, it, and a part of this has to do with their in, there weren't a lot of options at point guard, but what a great option and a great role to step into for Chucky. He plays so mature. You talked about his defense. I completely agree. And I don't even know if it's necessarily just for a freshman, like as far as on ball defenders go, he may be as good as we've seen in years from, from Wisconsin. Um, and that play with four seconds left in the first half against Marquette is, is one of the things that stands out. Marquette has an opportunity the Golden Eagles are down three points. They could potentially tie the game, bring it to within one. They don't even get a shot off because Chucky plays such good defense that Marquette turns it over and Wisconsin gets the ball. And, and guard said after the game that that play set the tone defensively because it allowed Wisconsin to enter halftime with a lead. He's done that consistently. I think he frustrates the other team's best ball handlers, but I think it's the poise and maturity that he shows on the other end too, as you talked about the six assists, especially considering that, Shaka Smart is, is going to full court press, is going to try to make your life miserable. He only turned the ball over twice. And he's so intelligent in the way he plays offensively. Early in the game, he had a really nice behind-the-back pass off a pick-and-pop to Crowell, and Crowell stepped out and buried a three, and that, that extended Wisconsin's lead early. So he just knows where his teammates are. And offensively, I think we know who the top three – Scores are going to be when it's all said and done, probably the three guys that we've already talked about, but for them to take that next step, it is up, up to Chucky to, to be a, a better score. And he said after the game that, that he thought that performance against Marquette was a pretty important step in him regaining his confidence. If you look at his numbers going into the game, he was shooting 25.8% from the field, eight for 31, 22.2% on threes, four of 18, but he made five of eight field goals and he made two of four threes. And one of them, in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, gave Wisconsin a lead that it never gave back. So that was a big moment for Chucky. And, um, you know, we'll see whether that is a confidence builder for him as they get into Big Ten play. And that's the whole thing, the Big Ten play, right? Like, it's uh, because, as you said before, they're going to have more. They, they, everyone knows what Wisconsin's going to do, just like Wisconsin knows what every other team is going to do for the most part. And you're going to also have, you know, guys scouting individually. And so they're going to find, I think they're going to find uh, that things are not as easy as, as certainly as they've, they've made a look here these first eight games. I think that's, that's obvious. I think the, the person that may be impacted the most by that though, is Steven Crowell mm-hmm. because um, you know, he's, he has, he's been up and down, right? Like, I mean, he's had some big games, he's had some not so big games, but uh, was probably had his best game, now, one of his best games against Marquette and what he was able to do, especially hitting from outside uh, against the Golden Eagles. But I think f- for him, it's going to be a, a really, really tall task. And it starts Wednesday with Trace Jackson Davis coming to town um, for him to continue to progress at a, at, a, at a good level because he's he's about to enter into, um, I would say, the, the toughest conference in the country for a big man especially one as young as him, especially as one that maybe isn't as physical as um, perhaps they probably need to be. 
we saw it last year in the Big Ten play. You had seniors like Micah Potter and Nate Reavers at times struggling with the big guys that they had to face on a regular basis in the Big Ten. So it's going to be key for Steven to take a step forward. He already has. He scored 15 points against Marquette, tied his career high with eight rebounds. And Johnny talked about after the game, one thing I like about Johnny, he may not say a lot of words, but when he does talk, he gets straight to the point. He, he said that they kind of reminded Steven in practice that he needed to stop being soft, um, being soft. <laughs> so I do think, yeah, that that's obviously an area, especially in big 10 play that you, you've got to bring it every single game against those guys. And of the young players on the team, Chucky, who we addressed, obviously a really important part, Steven, maybe just as important because of, I mean, they've got a lot of front court players, but in terms of big men, he does things that nobody else can do the, his ability to step out. And I think the under one underrated aspect of his game is his passing ability. If there are teams that are going to throw a double at him or, or try to take him away, he's an excellent passer for a big man. I, I probably mentioned this on our show uh, our season opener, but guard had talked about last season when he was on the scout team as Wisconsin prepared for North Carolina in the NCAA tournament, they were trying to trap him and they couldn't, he was destroying Wisconsin starters. Maybe that says more about where Wisconsin was at as a team at that point, but he just guard felt like he's not a guy who's going to get rattled in those types of situations. So he's got a, a good skill set, probably a skill set that we've seen from other big men at Wisconsin, but they're absolutely going to need quality play from him. You know, Chris Vogt is a nice complimentary player, the guy they got in from Cincinnati, one of the transfers. Um, but I think it's it's some of those smaller things. It's the diving for loose balls, as as Greg mentioned in the last couple games, which are important. But Crow getting you 15 and eight, I think he can do that more. Um, so I think I think his growth down the stretch here, or really as we get started, is is going to be one of those keys. Maybe that goes without saying, but just where they are in terms of front court play and his unique skill set. I believe he's got the highest plus minus of anybody on the team right now. Well, there you so, go. Yeah. So his importance is is is, is obvious. Um, but getting into some of the concerns with this team, and I, you know, you mentioned Chris Voigt, the bench. Uh, I'm worried about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about the bench. I'm worried about. Right now, I don't know if there's a bench player that you can point to and say I can count on that guy. And I and and look, they've had their moments, right? Folks had his moments. Uh, Lauren Bowman's had his moments. Ben Carlson had his moments last year uh, before he got hurt. You know, Jacoby Neath has has dealt with injury, right? At, at, and has only played in three games. So I don't know how fair it is to to maybe judge him at this point. And, and then Carter Gilmore too. But yeah, I'm not. I'm, not comfortable, I would say, right now with with what is coming off the bench for Wisconsin. I think that's a reasonable concern. What happens if a couple of your starters get in foul trouble or somebody gets hurt? Now, Greg has rotated through a, a number of guys, but nothing really jumps off the stat sheet at this point in terms of what they've done. I mean, Lauren Bowman's story in general, for him to even be in this position, for him to be contributing, uh, it says a lot about his character. And obviously, we know that he's been through a lot, but... Um, Averaging about 12 minutes a game. Uh, I think he's I think he's done a nice job. I'd be interested to see what what would happen if he he had a bigger role. Um, but Neath, I think it's still pretty early. He hasn't shot the ball particularly well, but he is coming off the injury. Jordan Davis has shown some glimpses. He's got a nice three-point shot. The one that I am probably of the reserves am most surprised by in terms of where I thought he would be is Ben Carlson, simply because of 
how he started as a true freshman and then he got hurt. But Carter Gilmore has taken a lot of those front court minutes. And I think Carlson is still trying to find his way. I thought he would have a bigger role and he certainly still may. We're only eight games into this season. If there was a guy off the bench that I was, I would say, I think can make that jump of the guys that have been a part of the regular rotation, I would say Carlson vote can too, but Carlson's the one that I think um, can still get there. Just, just has a way to go. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, I, if there's any, I was asked this uh, on, on a show today, if there was any guy that needed to step off the bench, step up coming off the bench, it's without a doubt, Ben Carlson, right? I yeah. mean, it's uh, I, because right now, I mean, they're, they are playing Carter Gilmore over him, essentially. Yeah. I, and it's, I mean, it, it's been similar. They're basically splitting minutes. Gilmore's played 90 minutes this season, Carlson's played 87. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Gilmore clearly has taken a, enough of a step forward that he is taking away those minutes from Carlson. Yeah. I mean, so I think that I think the bench and how it progresses is a huge, huge story to the rest of the season because you can, you can count on your starters and clearly Wisconsin has all five of them are the five of them are playing at least uh, 25 minutes a game and, you know, all but Crowell are playing 29 minutes a game. So like they, they are playing a ton of basketball and you're not necessarily getting a ton of quality minutes from, from uh, the people that you need to off the bench. I think Lawrence could be fine, but I think the guy that needs to step up is, is Ben Carlson. How badly do you think he was set back by the, by the back injury? How big of an impact has that been on his development, do you think? I think it was significant just because of the role that it seemed as though he was in position to play last season. He had some really good games early in the season. He was clearly going to be a part of the regular playing rotation, even if he wasn't getting starters minutes. The, the fact that he had even been in that spot as a true freshman spoke to the progress that he had made. Um, um, there's a long time for him to be able to get back there, but you miss essentially the entire season. I know he was able to come back like right at the end, if I'm not mistaken, but you can't replicate those experiences, the, the in-game minutes, the Big Ten season. Um, and now he's trying to fight for minutes off the bench in what seems to be a pretty crowded rotation, given what, what guard thinks Carter Gilmore can give them. So I think it was substantial. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some sold or not sold before we uh, chat with Brad Davison. Sold or not sold. Johnny Davis is the best pro prospect since Devin Harris for Wisconsin. Wow. Well, I'm really going to have to think about all the people that they've had come through. I mean, he's the first legitimate first round uh, guy since the 14-15 season when Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker both went in the first round. There haven't been a ton of first round guys uh, since that time. Right. Tucker, who else? I mean... Can you remind well, me of who else? Well, I mean, in, in terms of guy? In, in terms of first round guys, like we don't know Johnny Davis is a first round guy. That's that's kind of what's been talked about. But like in terms of uh, pro prospects, like John Luer was a was a second round pick, right? Obviously, Frank and and Sam. I don't know. We're talking about like early in in their careers, like what they could potentially be. Like De- when Devin came in, he was under the radar coming in because he had gotten he was sick. Uh, like, and he didn't get to go to like their a his junior year. He, he got sick, and um, you know didn't really get to 
take off. So there weren't there weren't huge expectations outside of the program for him. Johnny's been all over the place. People know about him, but no one's expecting this type of thing. I, I mean, is he a first round pick potential? Yes. And so, I mean, there, there are not a ton of guys. You're right. But essentially, I'm asking is, is he a better pro prospect than, than Sam Decker and, uh, and Frank Kaminsky at this point? Ah, eh, that's, I don't know how fair that is. Uh, I mean, th- well, we're, we're, not, talk- we're not here. For we fairness. can look back now and say, well, well, what I'm saying is we know what Frank and Sam's apex were in their college careers. And Johnny's, in my mind, nowhere near whatever his college apex is going to be. To be. I don't know if he's going to be here two years or three years. And, and certainly we don't know what the future holds. So at this very second, is he a better pro prospect? I would say no. Um, okay. But again, I'm, I'm comparing, I'm looking at Frank at his apex when he's been the consensus national player of the year. He's dominated an entire season. Sam was going to be a lottery pick. He, he took advantage of his opportunity at the exact right moment. Um, that's kind of a tough question to answer, which is it's a really good question. Ultimately, I think Johnny will eclipse them in terms of what the pro potential could be simply because he's only early in his sophomore year and go back to Devin Harris. And sometimes it's, it's apples and oranges tough to compare because there's totally different teams, but Devin averaged 12.3 points per game as a freshman in 0203, his sophomore season, it was 12.7. And then he took the huge jump in his junior season when he averaged 19 and a half and then declared for the, the NBA draft, which almost never happens at Wisconsin for an underclassman to declare. I think Sam was the first one since Devin, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so it just doesn't happen very often. Um, it's an interesting conversation to have. And I, I think Johnny, I think the answer will be yes when it's all said and done. Um, best broke prospects since Devin, but not really fair right now to compare the senior Frank Kaminsky or the end of season junior Sam Decker. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Uh, the thing with Devin is he wasn't he wasn't the guy until his junior year because right. Kirk Penny was there and Kirk Penny was the offensive guy, you know, the, the leading scorer in in one oh two and in oh two oh three. And then obviously when when he left, Devin took over and became the star that he was and it um, needed it even more because Orlando got hurt earlier in that year. I think he only ended up playing four games, but that's one of those teams that you desperately wish you would have seen if, if Orlando would have been healthy that entire year with him and Devin playing together. They never, I mean, they, they got one year together essentially. And then obviously Devin left. And after that, that season, that Oh three Oh four season. And then Tucker came back and they went to the elite eight the following year. But like, if Tucker, Tucker doesn't get hurt, would love to have seen what that 0304 team could have done. Um, they ended up losing, I think, to Pitt in the second round of the NCAA tournament. That game was in Milwaukee. Those are one of those teams that are like, hmm, how good could they have been if uh, Alondo had been able to stay healthy? Then again, if he had stayed healthy, then he wouldn't have been around in 0607 for their, their run to um, number one in the country that year for at least a week. I think it was a week. Uh, but yes, Johnny's got a bright future. We'll see if it's as bright as, I guess, those those first round picks that uh, Wisconsin's had here in the last 20 years. Um, Wisconsin will finish in the top four of the Big Ten. Sold or not sold? I am not sold on that. Uh, I feel pretty confident it'll be better than 10th just based on what we've seen. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. Um, I don't know. You think it's going to be worse? 
No, I, I think it'll be better than 10th. I think uh, I'm going to go. I, I think they'll be outside the top four, although anything certainly seems possible at this point. There's some really good Big Ten teams, and and I'd really like to see, I mean, even what they look like one one run through the league, not even talking about the second time they have to play these these teams. But um, it's just, it's so different. And I know they played very well against Houston, beating a top 15 team, team that's still top 15 team, beat in-state rival Marquette. But even in the next week to go, what is it, Indiana, Ohio State, um, to do that back-to-back-to-back, it's just very different. So I think I, – I would even go so far as to say I think they'll finish in the top half of the Big Ten. I mean, maybe so that's not seven. going out on a limb. Yeah, top I mean, the, the, at, I almost want to say at minimum. They've just played so well. I, I also – I don't want to make any huge declarations knowing there's like 25 games left. Feel like do you think there's a regression coming? Kind of feels like it. Um, maybe that's that. Maybe that's unfair. But either way, uh, moving on. One more sold or not sold? Wisconsin will make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. A lot of these are the questions that we asked before the season. So uh, I'm going to go back and, and listen. But I'm I'm pretty sure that you did not have them making it the second weekend. I don't even know if you had them in the tournament. I probably didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm not sold yet. I'm not sold yet on that. Uh, you're not a believer. This team, you've you've oh, I'm, them, I'm, you've, I'm definitely you've a talked, believer. <laughs> you have talked them up all all episode, and now oh, wait, now wait a minute. <laughs> I think they're an NCAA tournament team. I have no idea how they'd perform and who they would play. Um, it's too early for me to. It's too early for me to say that. You you, yeah. I I'm gonna say no at this point, but I think it'd be quite an accomplishment for them to get you know, top six in the big 10 as a team that's filled with underclassmen, basically. It would be, it would be uh, Wisconsin's uh, experience level, certainly down at the lower ends of uh, the major conference teams. I think I saw a graph of that and uh, yeah, Wisconsin way, way down. I think Marquette's even below them, but yeah, Wisconsin way, way down that, that graph in terms of experience and um, what they've done at this point has been mighty impressive. One of the guys that's been mighty impressive in that run has been Brad Davison. We had a chance to chat with him a little bit earlier, and here is that interview. And we do welcome in a special guest. It is Brad Davison, the guard for the Badgers. Longtime guard for the Badgers, right? But a new honor this week, co-Big Ten Player of the Week. I believe that's the first time in your career, Brad. How exciting is that for you? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure if it's my first time. If it is, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't really think about individual awards a whole lot. Uh, I don't really, not really mindful of them. Um, but I'm definitely, uh, you know, appreciate the honor. And it's testament to two really, really good wins this week. So I'll take the wins. Brad, you're off to a seven and one start. I think on the outside, this is uh, a team that's come together more quickly than anyone could have imagined. Has the way this group ge- has gelled? Um, has it happened faster than you thought it would? Yeah, you know, I think with a young team and an inexperienced team, you never really know how it's going to gel. You know, I think during the summer and during the fall, we knew that we had a lot of talent and we knew that we really liked the guys that we had in the locker room. Um, but we were, we knew what the, we didn't really know, we had knew what the pieces were. We didn't know what the puzzle was necessarily, necessarily going to look like. Um, but like you said, I think we put the pieces together really well and, we're playing really hard and having a lot of fun. So just got to ride this wave and keep it going and keep getting better every day. It's only eight games, but you did with so many new faces, so many new pieces. You're not exactly sure what it is going to look like. As you just said, what have you learned about this team through eight games? Do you think? 
I'd say the biggest thing that I've learned just from playing with this group of guys is they really value the defensive end and really value playing hard. Um, you know, I think Chucky or Chucky Hepburn does a great job of setting the tone with ball pressure on the defensive end. And then, you know, when you got guys like Johnny and Tyler who are really long and versatile um, guarding wings and Steven and CV inside, uh, we definitely pose a big threat defensively where it's a challenge to score on us. Um, and I think that identity and that finding value in the defensive end has definitely been a calling card for us this year. And when you play good defense, it makes offense a little easier. I was like, that's the biggest thing I've learned and appreciated about this group is just how much value and joy they find in the defensive end and getting stops. After the Marquette win, Coach Guard praised your ability to lead from behind is what he called it, meaning you've allowed guys like Johnny and Tyler to step into those roles. How have you gone about trying to do that this season? Yeah, you know, it's been a little different role for me, but it's, it's all kind of the same. But for me personally, you know, the last couple of years, the last few years, I've kind of always been at the front of everything and always the one talking and doing drills and this or that. Um, so just like taking a step back in more of like a mentor role, Coach Garden, I've kind of said it where, you know, I'll say something and then I'll, you know, Tyler, Johnny, what do you got? Like, let, let's hear what you got or something like that. Um, but just trying to be mindful of, um, you know, allowing everyone, you know, to use their voice and find their voice or whatever that looks like, but really just being grateful for the opportunity I have to be a part of this team and play with those guys. And, um, you know, I really love seeing those guys have success, Johnny and Tyler, but everyone, all these young guys, for me, it's my fourth or fifth time having these experiences for them. It's their first time. So it kind of rejuvenates me and, um, you know, it's been really, really enjoyable so far. Talk about the rejuvenation that, I've seen fans talk about watching this team and how exciting it is. And I, and this is probably going to be taken as a, as a shot to, to previous teams, but it, it's, it just, there's a lot more joy involved in watching you guys. Cause it's so new, I think. And I, and you guys are growing together. Do you feel that, as you said, you rejuvenated, but do you feel that as well? Like there's, there's just a little bit more excitement, a little bit new, more newness to this uh, experience than, than previous ones. You know, I think that excitement and joy when it's your first time experiencing, you know, a non-conference game or a Thanksgiving tournament or a drill or a certain lift or whatever it may be, whenever you experience something for the first time, it's so exciting. You know, for a lot of guys, Georgia Tech was their first road game in front of fans. You know, that Marquette game was the first time having a sold-out Cole Center. So when you, um, you know, when you've been around the block a few times and you're a senior or a fifth-year senior or a sixth-year senior – those things that, you know, young guys don't take for granted but find a lot of joy and are super excited about, you know, you can kind of take for granted and lose appreciation for. Um, and I think I kind of, I've fell into that trap too as I've gotten older and had experiences time and time again. So I think that's why it's rejuvenating for me is seeing how excited and joyful they are for every opportunity because, you know, it is their first time experiencing it, um, which is a super fun energy to be a part of. Brad, we talked before the season, and one of the things I asked you was about why you decided to come back, and you mentioned for other guys, their goal may be to go to the NBA or play professionally, and, and you had talked about how important being a college basketball player was to you and knowing what you wanted to do with your career. Um, with that framework, what has this season been like for you, just the knowledge of why you decided to come back and, and what the experience has been? I have enjoyed every moment. You know, I wake up each morning and I'd remind myself to be grateful to have the opportunity that I do. 
you know, to go to the lift with the team, to be a part of practice, to play in these games, to travel. Um, but also having the role that I have as being the fifth year senior, super senior, old guy, whatever people want to tell me. I just turned 22, though. So you need to set that narrative straight. I'm not that old compared to some other guys in the league. Um, but, you know, I, I've enjoyed every moment of it, you know, whether it's in practice and getting to take guys aside or whether it's in a film study, talking to guys or even just during games, you know, um, my, my experiences over the last four years have really given me all the highs and all the lows that I've experienced have given me the opportunity to, you know, really relate to a lot of the guys on my team and, um, just kind of share my experiences and try to help them along the way. I mean, it's a great experience for me wanting to become a college basketball coach, but also it's been a great experience, you know, being a basketball player that loves to compete. We kind of talked about this earlier in the show, but Johnny, everyone was expecting Johnny to take that that leap from his freshman year to his sophomore year. But he's he's taken what seems to be even a, a larger leap. He's gone from a role player to a superstar. You, you've talked about him being one of the better scorers in the country, in your opinion. What makes him one of the best scorers in the country in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I keep saying it, but I know he's one of the best scorers in the country. Um, he, he's so dynamic and so versatile on the offensive end of the floor. You know, his ability to get to the rim and finish – over people. And as we saw last game, finish like over and around people all at the same time. Um, but also his ability to shoot the three and to make people have to close out so that it opens up driving lanes for him. And then he's really good in that intermediate, intermediate mid-range game. So when you combine the three levels of scoring with then the confidence and the mentality that he's going to go at you and try to put the ball in the hoop, it's a combination for a really talented score. And I think that's the Thing that I really appreciate about Johnny is he is a great scorer, but you know, he just wants to win. And so when you want to win, not only do you try to dominate on the offensive end, but you try to do everything you can on the defensive end and doing the little things and trying to help your team win. Um, so he's taken a huge jump. And I think this summer and this fall, we all knew he was going to, and um, we're excited to be along this journey with him. Brad, you're not having a, such a bad season yourself. You're, ha- you're averaging a career high in scoring this year. It's about 16 points a game. Where do you think your offensive game has evolved the most this season? You know, I'm just, I'm just taking what the defense gives me. Um, and like I said, trying to do everything that I can to help my team be successful in games. Um, so I put in a lot of time this summer trying to become more dynamic with my three-point shot of being able to – I don't get very many open looks. Like I got to be able to make some tough shots and coming off screens and coming – moving without the ball. So trying to become more consistent with the three-point shot, but then also the ability to finish inside and be strong in there and get to my spots to shoot a pull-up jumper. So just trying to take what the defense gives me. Um, and like I said, I put a lot of time in over the years into my shot. So I trust it. I'm really confident with it. And so when my teammates find me in good spots, I'm confident to let it go and uh, continue to try to help my team win in these games. It feels like every Badger player has their favorite shot or the shot that, they, that they're known for in terms of the ones that they take over and over again. It feels like yours is becoming the off the screen, off the inbound screen and falling away uh, to the baseline, uh, that shot. The one that obviously hit against Maryland a couple of years ago and had a couple of big ones this, this against Marquette. Is that one that gets practiced a ton for you? Yeah, I practice that every day. Every day and every shoot around with Coach Crowd, we're out there practicing that shot. Hopefully teams don't start scouting it so they keep letting me get to that spot. I'd really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, you know, those are shots that, like I said, I've been working on all summer to try to become more dynamic of the ability to 
you know, make those tougher shots at the end of shot clock or when we need a big shot or need a three pointer. Um, because, you know, I always say tough shots are shots that you don't practice. And so the shots that you practice, even if they are tough, if you can make them at a high percentage, that's a good shot for you. So that's kind of the mindset with those shots coming off screens, especially to the corner off that inbounds. Play. You've mentioned that you obviously want to go into coaching in your future. Are there examples this season where coach guard or any of the assistants have allowed you to take over some of that responsibility? Can you share, like, what does that look like knowing that that's the path you want to take? And that's part of why you came back. Yeah. You know, I think first it kind of just takes some pressure off me. You know, I'm not really thinking about playing at the next level or have any kind of selfish desires or anything like that. I just really want to stay in the moment and be as present as I can and help this team be as good as we can get. Um, but I've been so appreciative of what Coach Gar and the rest of the staff have allowed me to do. You know, I think even going back to the summer, I got to work out with a lot of the guys where it would just be us and I'd get to kind of come up with the workouts and do different things like that with some of the younger guys that I really enjoyed. And there's been a few times throughout the year where Coach will give me the whiteboard and allow me to draw up the play and see if I can get it right and how I can communicate it to the guys. Um, and then just, you know, he's given me a lot of flexibility and ability on the court, you know, to – not only call plays, but just, you know, in our huddles, get people on the same page and make sure that we're clicking and doing things the right way and playing the way that we want to play. Um, so I've been really appreciative of the way that Coach Guard has allowed me to, you know, kind of step into that new role, but not really a new role, but just kind of a unique role that I'm really thankful to have here on this team. You were forced into being the, the main ball handler as a true freshman uh, out of necessity. <laughs> certainly wasn't you played well but I'm saying it wasn't necessarily what the plan was going into the year uh Chucky that has been the plan for him have you been able to give him any advice about what he's about to enter into in the Big Ten starting Wednesday and how things change when conference play begins yeah you know I think the main message that I told Chucky and I think he's done a great job of it is that just offense will come you know don't press offensively but really value what you bring on the defensive end and value what you bring and taking care of the ball and making sure everyone's on the same page. Um, because, you know, being in that point guard spot, you have the ability to control the tempo of the game. You have the ability to, do, to control the attitude of your team. You have a lot of power out there that has nothing to do with scoring the ball or what you can do on the offensive end. So that's one thing that I've just continued to preach to him is continue to value what you do defensively because he can really impact the game on that end. And he does a lot of good things for us. What you guys did against Marquette, at least to me, it showed you can play at different paces. I mean, Marquette came into that game. They want to speed you up. And um, do you think that's something that is unique about this team that you, you as a group are capable of playing at different paces and have a pretty versatile group? Absolutely. I think you hit it on the nail on the head there. We're very versatile. You know, we want to we want to play our pace and we want to slow it down and we want to play inside out and we want to play through the post. But at the same time, you know, you can play through the post at 22, 24 on the shot clock too. You just want to get to your spots. I think that's one thing that we do really well um, with this group is we get to our spots really quickly. And when we, when you can get down the floor and you can get people in spots where they can be successful, it really opens up the floor and creates more opportunities for everyone. Um, so I think we've done a great job of that so far. We got to continue to work at it because as we get into conference play, things get a little tougher. You know, we've had a lot of great challenges in the non-conference, um, but in a conference, everything gets ramped up. And so we want to make sure that we continue to execute and play at our pace. You guys have uh, really counted on your starters uh, quite a bit here early in the season. The bench has chipped in here and there. You know, Chris Voigt, obviously at Georgia Tech, 
right? But uh, is there a little bit of concern level that maybe the scoring off the bench hasn't been where it needs to potentially be at this point? No, I don't think so. You know, I think there's so many there's so many things that we value in our program besides scoring that ever, that our bench has done a great job of so far. Um, you know, I think CV does so many things for our team that does not show. When I say CV, that's Chris Boy. Yep. <laughs> but uh, he does so many things that don't show up in the stat sheet. You know, his ability to rebound and he to crash the glass for offensive rebounds and to dive on the floor and make hustle plays. Um, and then with Lowe coming off the bench, he's had some big moments for us. Point went out St. Mary's where he scored five straight to give us kind of the boost we needed. Um, and Jacoby's been banged up, but he's going to come back and be a huge help for us. And we have a lot of other guys that haven't necessarily had the opportunities yet, but, you know, Marcus Ilver, Jordan Davis, Ben Carlson, these guys that, um, you know, they come to work every day. And that's why it's a, it's a blessing. We keep saying our strengths, our strength in numbers, and we do things together. Um, and so I think as this season goes, you can continue to see more and more guys um, coming off the bench, making big impacts for our team. You, you've mentioned your teammates have several different nicknames for you. I think the few that you rattled off before were Grandpa, Dad Brad, Uncle Boogs. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Brad. <laughs> I'm good with just Brad. I, I don't really buy into all the nicknames. Like I said, everyone says how old I am, this and that. I just turned 22. CV is much older than me, and half the guys we play are older than me, so I don't, I don't buy into all of it. Um, but I do appreciate the sentiment. You're also getting married, so I think that probably plays into it as well. You're you got you're yeah. engaged, getting married. When is that happening? Yeah, that's more exciting than any of the basketball talk. So I'm glad <laughs> we got to it. Um, yeah, we July 2nd is our date, and we're actually getting married here in Madison. And I'm I'm so excited. I guess got a little under seven months. Now your uh, your fiance is a Indiana alum. You guys are playing Indiana on Wednesday. Is there any uh, cheering on on her part for the Hoosiers at all, or is she in, she all in for you? She's all in for me, but when we're not playing for the Hoosiers, she, she still stays pretty loyal to her <laughs> alma mater, which I respect. Which I respect. Um, but no, she'll be all in for the Badgers. Her whole family is Badgers, which that so she's got that working for her. So, um, but so she she still cheers for the Hoosiers when they don't play the Badgers, but when it's Badger Hoosiers, uh, she'll be wearing her. 34 Davidson jersey. <laughs> All right, Brad. Hey, really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you guys always. We'll see you soon. All right, we appreciate uh, Brad's time. And uh, we'll, we'll finish up the show by getting into our Twitter questions. We'll start with Connor. It's kind of something we've already talked about a little bit, Jesse. But uh, what should ex- expectations in the Big Ten be now that the team has played a great non-conference? Well, as I said, I, I think top half of the Big Ten, and maybe that doesn't sound like anything incredible. I, I just top six, maybe. I feel like this team has certainly put itself in position to be an NCAA tournament team. The jury's still out on how well they can perform in the Big Ten. But look, they've exceeded all expectations outside of the program. So what I say clearly doesn't matter because they're just going to keep on doing their thing. Yeah, uh, Slapnik says, would the Badgers be undefeated if Davis plays against Providence? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, based on everything we've seen in all the other games, his ability to take over, and it's not like Providence won that thing by 30 points. That was a pretty close game. So you add the best player on the floor, um, I think they would be undefeated, yes. All right, but he, he, he follows up with this, and I wanted to talk about this as well, just because 
I kind of seen it as um, I've kind of seen it too, but is it just him or does Greg Gard seem to have a newfound energy and excitement with this team? I think it's, there's certainly something there. There's an element of that newfound. I mean, I know last season wore on a lot of people for a number of different reasons. And one of the things Greg talked about was, um, you know, why last season was a struggle in part. It was the COVID year where the guys couldn't be together. And he talked about the, the staple to the program or one of the staples is the ability to have this cohesiveness uh, to develop a team chemistry. And it was substantially impacted last year. Greg felt, he said he, he started to see these things develop with this team, even in the spring um, and certainly over the summer. So I do think there is a renewed energy and zest, not just with Greg, but with the team in general. It's like it really does feel kind of like a fresh start. So I think that's fair to say. And he's enjoying the ride, too. You got to enjoy the ride. That's but it's the- just a fun, it's a fun team to watch and it's a fun team to coach. And I think, I do think it does help that you go into a season. And I mean, look, last year the team was, what did they open the season at? They were certainly in the top 10. The expectations were this is a final four team. It's the exact opposite this year. To me, that gives you a little more freedom. Not that you can go out and lose games, but. I just think it's a totally different vibe this year. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And Jesse, I mean, obviously you, you have to enjoy the ride because that's the best part of it, right? Isn't, isn't <laughs> the, if, if, you, if you miss the journey, then you've missed the best part of it. Isn't that accurate? Are we, are we going full Paul Christ on this? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. All right. Moving on. Mark Murphy or Mark, I should say. Who ends up scoring more points in a Wisconsin uniform, Johnny Davis or Chucky Hepburn? Um, (laughs) well, I think Chucky is a four-year player. I think Johnny might be a two-year player. Um, maybe Johnny's a three-year player. I think it's hard to envision him being a four-year player at this point. Um, I don't know. I haven't done the math on that. I guess I'll go, I guess I'll go Chucky for the duration that he would be here. That's, and that's the point, right? Like he's, he's going to be here probably, uh, longer. But, I mean, Johnny could have just an insane season this year, too. And, oh, for sure. You know, I mean, he's on of, pace to have an insane season. Let's say he does average 20 points a game. What, do they, right. what, what would they play? Like 30, let's say they played 35 games. Yeah. it's um, a lot of points. Yeah, I'm going to do some quick math here. Right on, right on here. That's 700 points. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll pick Hepburn for... For the reasons that I said, he's a four-year player. Yeah. Uh, Kira asks, did uh, Brad Davison play a cleaner game against Marquette because uh, Bo Borowski was officiating? And do we continue <laughs> to see that this season in Borowski officiated Badgers games? Are we saying that Brad made a concerted effort not to? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like once the ball is tipped, you can't possibly be thinking about that stuff. Uh, I just think it worked out that way. And he's going to ref more games this year. So to be determined on what other calls we may see. Yeah. Um, she also asks how worried, and we kind of talked about this, but how worried would should we be about the lack of offensive contributions from the bench to this point? It's a concern, as we talked about. I think there's... 
there's still a lot of room for those guys to grow. And there may be opportunities where they get more minutes and somebody does step up, maybe Bowman or Carlson. I mean, it could be anybody really yeah. Uh, yeah. steps up. So it's a concern, but there's a, there's a lot of games left for them to, to fill some bigger roles. Yep. And it starts with Indiana on Wednesday, big 10 play. They get into just a couple games and then uh, take a month off, I guess. No, they're still playing games. Couple, no, right, right. They play uh, a few more non-conference games, but I'm saying they they take they get two Big Ten games and then they take like three weeks off from Big Ten games and then start Big Ten Big Ten games again. But uh, it it will be a test, no doubt. Indiana and then at Ohio State here uh, this week. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about it as we get into a uh, regular pattern of the swing for the rest of the season. Jesse, until then, thank you very much. We're back, baby. Thanks, Zach. (laughs) You've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.